everyone, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, when I wrote my first book, Life or Debt, more than 20 years ago, I had a simple solution for investing your long-term savings. It was simply to subtract your age from 100, then put the resulting percentage in stocks. The rest you divide into two equal parts, an intermediate-term bond fund and a money market fund. If you were 40 years old, for example, you subtract 40 from 100, and you put that resulting percentage, 60%, in stocks. The remaining 40% would be divided between bonds and money market funds. An even simpler way of investing long-term savings, and one that's been around for generations, was simply to put 60% of your savings into stocks and 40% into bonds. It's a classic 60-40 portfolio. But as it turns out, nothing lasts forever, and maybe that includes these simple diversification guides. What happened? You probably know. What happened was interest rates, namely rates that have been so low for so long that money in bonds and money market funds is earning basically nothing. So what's an investor to do? Well, that's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to explore whether the traditional 60-40 investment mix is really dead or just waiting for its triumphant return. We're also going to discuss potential investments that could modernize this old formula. And we're all hopefully going to do it without making your eyes glaze over. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Markwood. Hello, Miranda. hey oh, Yay. And <laughs> sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hello, Aaron. I'm so split and divided over this podcast. <laughs> and I, of course, am Stacey Johnson. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Should you hear about investments on this podcast, that doesn't mean they're recommendations. You never invest based solely on what you hear on this podcast because we don't know your personal situation. You got to form your own opinions. You got to make your own decisions. Okay, now let's get back to the topic at hand. Before we before we start slicing and dicing on this thing, let's make sure everybody's picking up what we're putting down here. 60-40 investment mix means 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Now, the reason that this was so popular, and still is to many people, is that you never want to have all of your long-term savings in stocks because it's too risky. Also, as you get older, you might want to have some income from your portfolio, and that's why traditionally bonds have been 40% of that 60-40 mix. Now, why isn't that working now? As I just said, interest rates are almost nothing. And worse than that, they might be going up soon. Now, what happens when interest rates go up? Aaron, what happens when interest rates go up? What happens to bond prices? So it's a down. pop quiz. They go down. That's right. So yeah. if interest rates are going up, bonds are going down, that could hurt your principal, obviously. Also, when interest rates go up, what can happen to stocks, at least in the short term? Miranda, now it's your turn. What can happen <laughs> to stocks if interest rates go up? Uh, they go down. <laughs> yeah. So, so here we are with a 60-40 portfolio, which may not be to your benefit, if interest rates go up, and that's probably where they're going to go since they can't go much lower than they are right now. So here's our dilemma. And and here's all these articles. I don't know if you guys have seen these, but I did some research on this before we did this podcast. And he, I'm going to read you some headlines just from like the last six months. Okay, here's Barron's. The 60-40 portfolio is dead. Bloomberg. The 60-40 portfolio isn't dead, just more expensive. Yahoo, the 60-40 rule of investing is dead, experts say. Kiplinger, is the traditional 60-40 portfolio truly dead? I mean, in this, I mean, this is, I've got, I've got 12 articles here. I just read you a few of them. But basically, if you put in 60 slash 40 into Google, you're going to see a whole bunch of articles suggesting that this no longer works. 
And I've just explained why it might not. Now, is this a bunch of jargon just to get people to read these articles? Or, um, or is this like an investor's ploy? Like, are these kind of like marketing ploys, 60, 40, all these little terms? And then in reality, the numbers are all over the place anyway for individual investors? Yeah, well, I, I think that the 60, 40 has made a lot of sense, Aaron, over the years. And and I do think though that a lot of people we won't call it clickbait, but you know, a lot you know the way to the way to get somebody to you know you ever in the news business which I was in which Aaron and I were both in for decades, uh, if it bleeds it leads. So if you want to get somebody to click on an article, say say something's dead, you know sixty forty dead, you're in trouble. You know. And also, right, I mean, what I'm guess I'm saying is like as a money manager, I mean, you could throw all these things out to to you know confuse people, entice them to like manage their money because you're like, oh, you know, yeah, that's that's you want to go with us because it, you know all these you're throwing all the sixty forty, you're throwing all these things it's like, oh, this money manager is super smart, he must understand everything. Yep, yep. That that also is a danger. You're absolutely right. In fact, I might have a quote right here. Let me see. Um, okay, listen to this. 6040 is not a bad place to start, said Christine Benz, head of personal finance at Morningstar. Morningstar is huge. <laughs> the idea it's dead is a straw man investment firm sometimes throw out there because they're peddling other strategies, oftentimes more complicated, oftentimes more costly. Mm. Does that answer your question, Aaron? Yeah, I guess you just answered it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some people, uh, some people are saying, and having worked on Wall Street myself for ten years, I can tell you that uh, repackaging investments and making people think that they're not smart enough to do their own stuff is a, is a, a, a global strategy. I mean, it, it goes on, and of course it is. Of course, they want you to pay for advice, and of course, they want to make things more complicated than they are. That being said, however, because interest rates are so low. And because rising rates could hurt both stocks and bonds, maybe there is something that needs to happen to modify the old 60-40 rule. That's what, we, that's what I really wanted to talk to you guys about. Let's start somewhere else, though. Where do you guys, what do you do now? Do you even know what percentage of your long-term assets are in stocks, Aaron? Well, I know my stock assets are extremely low. Yeah, so and, and the reason for that, too, I'll, I will hasten to add for those of you who haven't listened to us for very long, uh, Aaron's basically a real estate investor more than he is a stock investor, probably got more into stocks because of this podcast than you were ever Yeah, before, pretty much right? you guys have got me, talked me into it, and I started doing it. But yeah, I would think most of our assets are tied up in uh, in real estate. Now, what about what about you, Miranda? Do you know what percentage you have in stocks of your long-term savings? I mean, do you really know what the exact percentage is? Uh, not exact, but it's, it's somewhere between like 85 and 90% probably. It depends. So a lot. Yeah. Yeah, most of my most of my most of my um investing are like in index products and most of that is stock index uh funds or stock index ETFs. So, yeah, I mean I have I have some bonds and then I have like a percentage of my uh, portfolio that's like experiments like penny stocks or crypto or something like that. But um, but I have a lot of, you know, index stock products and I have a few individual stocks that I've started messing around with a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's it's but it's a lot. It's a lot in stocks. So, um, you know, I'm I'm betting I'm betting that our um, <laughs> that our, our society still relies on the stock market with everything. But I do have some crypto, you know, just in case. Yeah. So, so neither one of you guys, and and I'll join in and say, make it unanimous. I don't know exactly how much I have in stocks either, and I'm 66, so I, I mean, I really should know because I'm at the verge of retirement. Although I have no actual plans to retire, but um, and these those guys, uh, these other two guys are 40ish. 
So I'm much older than them, but I still don't know exactly what I have in stocks. I'm going to guess around 50%, though. I probably have a pretty high percentage of stocks, especially if you use the rule that I was going by at the, in the intro when I said, you know, I use the take your age from 100. So I'm 66. I still have 34% of my money in stocks, according to that formula. Uh, and I have way more than that. And I probably have more than 50% for that matter. But then, you know, uh, what was the old saying? Uh, put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. You know, so I watch the stock market a lot. So I feel pretty comfortable with what I have in stocks. But anyway, if you are a person that uses 60-40 mix, you should be a little concerned about rising rates. Now, do, do you guys think rate, we had this conversation the other day and we're probably going to have it many more times, too. We we agreed with Chairman Powell that the the inflation that we're seeing now in the, in the economy was transitory, uh, and now that inflation is could be the incentive for higher rates. So that's why we're talking about that. Just the other day, two days ago, this is November twelfth. Is that today? Yeah, November twelfth. Um, two days ago, the CPI came out and it was six point two percent. That's and the, the target inflation rate for the Federal Reserve is two percent. So inflation is running really really hot. Right now, you probably know that if you bought groceries anytime recently, yeah, right, or gas. Um, but now, are we gonna, are we prepared now to say that? Maybe, in other words, here's my point: if interest rates are not going to go up, if in other words, if inflation is transitory, then interest rates may not go up because inflation usually right behind inflation, you'll find higher interest rates. Higher interest rates are going to hurt bonds and stocks. But if interest rates aren't going to go higher because this inflation is transitory, then we have nothing to worry about. So, I'm going to repoll you guys. What do you think? Is inflation still transitory? Are we more concerned about it than we were a few months ago? Or do you think that uh, that inflation is just going to go away and interest rates are going to stay low? Mm. I know it's a hard one to speculate. I mean, I keep reading how COVID might make a comeback and rear its ugly head. That could cause a problem, too, with, with more uh, with more uh, shipping and all that kind of stuff and and. So I don't know. It's it's, it's a hard one. I think we're I think we might have some problems still for quite a few years. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, and actually, remember too, you're talking about two different things too. I think what you were referring to there, Aaron, was that uh, part of the part of the reason prices are rising is because of these uh, gridlock in in uh, shipping and everything. That's true. I think that's a big component. Yeah. yeah. But remember too, though, if COVID rears its ugly head once again, then we also that could also slow the economy down. So that would be that also could be an argument why rates wouldn't go up. What do you think, Miranda? What's your opinion? Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I think that it's not as transitory as we thought originally. It it might be around to stay a little bit, but I think it's also important to remember that we've had, you know, uh, close to a decade of below uh, average inflation over time. And then uh, in 2020, especially because of the pandemic, inflation was especially low. And so even though it feels like a huge jump right now, it's also kind of like this cumulative effort uh, effect of like having so many years of below average inflation. It's um, and it feels bigger this year because we actually had we had such low inflation last year with the pandemic that any sort of anything feels like a huge like it just feels huge. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell because like, um, well, and, and as we've talked about in the past, like nothing makes sense anymore. So whatever um, <laughs> like you know the best we could do is just kind of you know just keep dollar cost averaging and diversify a little bit and just you know hope that society doesn't collapse in the next 10 years i mean that's where yeah, we're I think, at i mean let's be yeah, honest I that's where we're you. at right now 
Don't, yeah. we, don't we need a little bit of inflation here to keep the uh, the economic debt machine running? Oh well, yeah, for also sure. well, <laughs> there, like I said, uh, like I alluded to a moment ago, the the Federal Reserve has a target for inflation, which is two percent, uh, and they could be a little on either side of that. You know, they're, they don't, it's not exactly 2% every year, but in general, they want to have an average inflation rate of 2%. A little inflation is good for the economy. Why is that? Because deflation is horrible for the economy. Yeah. Uh, and so as long as you can keep pace with inflation. Now, runaway inflation uh, is horrible. But we, you know, I remember, you guys won't, but in 1981, uh, mortgage rates were 13% and money markets were paying 18%. That was difficult. Uh, so the inflation we're seeing now is nothing to me. It's it's big compared to where we were. Uh, and, you know, by the way, can I stop here and make a political statement? Saying, <laughs> okay, well, let's make it happen, Stacey. Do the thing. Do the no, no, thing. No. All I was going to say was, uh, I, I you know, I, I run Money Talks News, and these guys are both help me run it. Uh, and we get a lot of comments from people, and they're going like, thanks to Biden, inflation's high. No, it's not thanks to Biden. Inflation's high all over the world. Uh, inflation, in fact, I just said that our CPI was up to, uh, 6%. It's 10% in China. So I, I'm, not, I'm not defending Biden. I would say the same thing over Trump. What's happening here is, is a problem with distribution of goods and also demand, uh, big demand and low supply because of COVID. So inflation is happening not because of any, anybody's politics. It's just happening. And it's not just happening here. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in Europe, too. So if you do read that, uh, don't believe it, because that, that is not true. That's all I was going to say. Not making a political statement, just saying. Inflation does happen. I was just going to say real quick before we get into the complete, I think a lot of the time we like to find somebody to blame who is ostensibly in charge. And we always, you know, we always pick the president or whatever. Uh, but yeah, but we're true. giving them way too much credit. Like, it doesn't matter, yeah. like, who's president or whatever. Like, we're just giving them way too much credit. That's also true. In fact, a lot of the inflation we're seeing now is because of rising gasoline prices or, or actually rising oil product prices, period. Uh, natural gas, uh, heating oil, every kind of petroleum product and the president has virtually no influence on that at all uh it, well with i mean with some exceptions i mean he could read he could redo relieve or release some petroleum from the strategic petroleum reserve which would affect prices for a few days uh, make them go down uh, you can also like give incentives to drill more and stuff like that so i mean they, there are some tangential uh, effects that presidents can have or at least Congress can have on oil prices. But generally speaking, this is an international commodity. And nobody really controls it. If anyone controls it, it's probably the OPEC cartel. But uh, so when you see that, also not true. You know, that this president or that president, it's their fault that, that gas prices are up. Probably isn't. But here we are anyway. We do have some inflation. And here's what I think about inflation. I don't, I'm not on either camp. I don't think that inflation is going to be transitory, and I don't think it's going to be permanent either. Here's what I think. I think some stuff's going to be transitory, and some stuff's going to be permanent. I think people getting higher wages, it's not going to go away. I don't see anybody going like, oh, you know, now that inflation's dropped, would you mind cutting my pay back to where it was? That's not going to exactly. happen. So, exactly. so that type of stuff is here to stay, as well, it should be, I think. Well, yeah, and, and you have to realize, too, wages haven't kept up with inflation for, for decades at this point. So, I mean, wages are already way behind inflation. If wages had kept up with productivity since the 1960s, we'd have a $24 minimum wage. I 
could not agree with you more. I think that's absolutely <laughs> true. So I think it's not only is that happening and it's here to stay, I think it's not necessarily a bad thing. But now remember, too, though, when that does happen, that's also going to, to go through. I mean, it's going to follow through the rest of the economy. If I start paying you guys more, and I'm, I hope I don't have to, but if I do start paying you guys more, <laughs> that means that, you know, I'm going to have to charge more. For, to my advertisers to make up that benefit, I mean, to make up that cost. So there, there is some ripple effects from higher wages. But, but at the same time, though, I think some of the stuff that people are bitching about, used car prices, for example, I, I think 26%, that's the top of my head, I don't remember exactly, but from last year, huge increases in used car prices because we can't get chips to build new cars, blah, blah, blah. That's going to go away. Uh, so, I mean, some of this stuff is going to be transitory and, and some of this stuff is going to be permanent. That's what I think about inflation anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting so, to see. Well, Go ahead. getting back to the, the 640 thing, I was reading through this Kiplinger uh, article. It might understand, it seems how it was written is that uh, this 6040 is really important when it comes to people who are about to retire. Yes, uh, yes, yes. So like where we're, in, we're getting to the situation now where inflation is going to cause a disruption in, in stocks and bonds, most people, I guess, when they're close to retirement, want to shift more to those bonds to have a, a keep their money in a little safer zone. So And to get income. So now... This Kiplinger says that uh, the 60-40 may be dead, but they think it's more like hibernating. So it might come back later on. So for people like my age and Miranda's age, we've got time to mess around. But for guys like you, where do you put your money now? I don't even buy green bananas, dude. <laughs> I'm at death's door. <laughs> no, you know what? Here's uh, let's talk about this because this is really the purpose of this whole podcast. If sixty, I mean, if inflation is a problem, if interest rates are zero, and you're about to retire, what are you supposed to do? I've got some ideas specifically on what to do. What's wrong with the sixty forty? How you can improve your investment mix? And they're coming at you. You guessed it. Right after this message. Okay, so let let's talk about what to do. If you're if okay, you guys have all the time in the world. You're going to be heavily weighted. I guess in Aaron's case, in real estate, in Miranda's case, in stocks. Don't care. Got decades to worry about it. Let's say you're me though, and you're 66, and you you you're not getting any. You're not earning any interest at the bank. Your bonds are likely to go down in value. Um, what do you do if you're me? Well, here's what here's what I do. First of all, I don't have money in bonds. I have money in stocks and I have money in cash. When I say cash, I mean money market funds, uh, which pay basically nothing. Uh, so if if I needed income, I, what I would do is I'd probably turn toward um, dividend stocks. So that is one thing you can do. Uh, is it as is it as safe as an FDIC insured account? Obviously, it is not. But if I needed income and I can't get it from from uh, the bank then i'm going to have to do something else and that'd probably be dividend stocks so one thing you can do is take some of that 40 percent of bonds and you can put that into dividend producing stocks and we talked about we have a whole podcast on how to how to find dividend stocks which we did not that long ago right aaron you can find it in our show notes or, or in our, um yeah 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 uh you, you give me a moment and I'll, I'll i'll search that out um also yeah, we talked about that. And you said, you know, you can put together your own, you know, if you get to the, what do you call them, the dividend aristocrats and the dividend yeah. kings, you can put together your own sort of ETF to, but a lot of those pay a quarterly dividend. Yes. And I found out that you can find some ETFs that group these big dividends and those ETFs will pay you out on a monthly basis. Um, yeah, but well of course said. there's fees that come with ETFs. Yes. Now, remember too, though, 
And you're, you're right, Aaron. Thanks for suggesting that. ETFs are a good way to go. If you don't have the money to diversify among companies and you need money every month, you can, you know, you can do that if you have enough money to get different companies, but you could also just buy an ETF that'll pay you every month. Yeah, so that's, way, that's episode 108 for everybody. What's that? Look that? That's episode 108. 108? Okay, up. cool. Yeah. Uh, now, what, now, what I want you to be aware of too, though, is if you are in a 60-40 mix, if you do have 40% of your assets in bonds, especially long-term bonds, I want you to pay attention to this. The longer the term your bond is, and that, that's called duration, the more it will be affected by rising rates. Okay? So let me repeat that. If you have long-term bonds and rates go up, the value of that bond is going to go down. Eventually, it'll mature and repay its original principal. But in the meantime, rising rates mean falling bond prices. So one of the things you can do if you're concerned about rising interest rates is you can shorten your maturities. Think of it this way. If your bond's coming due tomorrow, it's obviously going to be worth its par value. If you've got a $1,000 bond, it's coming due tomorrow, it's going to be worth 1000 bucks, right? But if it's coming due 30 years from now, well, who knows what the price is going to be on the open market. 30 years from now, it's going to be worth $1,000. But between now and then, if rates go up, the value of that bond, if it's sold before maturity, is going to go down. Think about a seesaw. Interest rates on one end, bond prices on the other. The higher interest rates go, the lower bond prices get. So if you are concerned about the value of your bonds, you could shorten their duration or their maturity. You, you followed that, Aaron? Did you get that example? Yeah, I guess I'm I'm confused as to you buy a 30-year bond. What do you mean they're sold, they're sold before the maturity? Well, because the bonds, there's a liquid market for government, but for any kind of bond for that matter. Uh, so if you could buy a 30-year bond today, uh, you can sell it next week. You don't have to keep it till it matures. And what'll happen is, now if you do keep it till it matures, let's say you put $1,000 into a 30-year bond. If you keep it till it matures, you're gonna get your thousand bucks back, guaranteed by the government if it's a government bond. So you have no risk as long as you keep it for 30 years. But what if you decide you wanna buy a boat next year? Uh, well, you're gonna sell that bond in the open market and somebody may pay you more than you paid for it or less than you paid for it. And that's largely dependent on where interest rates are. Think of it this way. You okay. buy a bond today. A 30-year 30 30 bonds are paying a little less than 2%. Let's call it 2%. So now you've locked up your money for 30 years at 2%. Next year, you can buy a government bond at 4%. So that bond is paying 4%. The one you own pays 2 Well, if you need to sell your bond on the open market and only pays 2%, and I can buy a brand new bond for, that pays 4%, why would I buy your bond? Right. You're going to have to sell it for less than you paid for it. Right. You're going to lose money. Okay. You have to make it equal 4%. And the way you do that is to sell it for half the price. So that's so the longer the term is, the more volatile the value of that bond is. Again, if you hold it to maturity, you're fine. So, But that's that's one thing. And But you don't want to open your statement and see that your bond bond uh, fund has gone down 50% 50, 50 in value. And it, it, if you don't want to do that, then you can shorten your maturities and reduce that risk. So that's one thing you can do, okay? All right. Another thing you can do is you can use alternatives to get income and also, because we know we can't put 100% of our long-term savings in stocks, that's too risky. Especially because the market's nosebleed territory now anyway. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to have more, money, more of my money in stocks than I already have, which is a lot. So what else can we do? Well, we've talked about other things we can do besides bonds before. And besides stocks, we, we did a whole podcast on um, what to do if you don't want to invest in stocks, right? I think it was like 20 different things. 
that we brought up on that podcast. I don't know what podcast number that was. Yeah, there's there's also but, a really great article with about seven alternatives written by yours truly on Money Talks News. So, uh, do you remember any off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, you know real estate because um, you know, and Aaron knows all about that. So you know, there's... oh yeah, well, <laughs> episode one hundred and one, we have a show called Twenty Ways to Invest That Don't Involve the Stock Market, and we listed a whole bunch of ways you can just throw your money around. You know, obviously, one of those ways is bonds, which is what we're talking about replacing. Right. But again, though, we had twenty, so of those twenty, only one or two of them had to do with bonds. So there's plenty of other things you can do with money, and a lot of this stuff, by the way, didn't exist when the sixty forty portfolio mix was first invented so you know there are things now that you could do that you couldn't do then crypto is one example i'm not suggesting it's a great one because it's so risky but you know that that didn't exist until just you know a matter of a few years ago really there's like peer-to-peer -peer lending and um you know and cryptocurrency uh you know art and other collectibles you know stuff like that you know there's, yeah, there's commodities yeah. gold you know, again, not, not making suggestions and just throwing stuff out. I do own some gold. It's just done horrible this year. I did a little better this week, but it's just been a horrible investment for me this year. Uh, I don't have a ton of it, but I have some of it. Uh, real estate in the form of actual real estate, like Aaron buys houses. But you could also get a real estate investment trust, which are basically real estate stocks. It's, it's trades on the stock exchange, but companies that buy real estate. Uh, that can help. I've looked into those, and I, I have a hard time pulling a trigger on those. I don't, I don't see where they ever really do well. Well, I, you know, well, they're mainly income. Well, I shouldn't say I guess mainly really, because they're all I different guess they're kinds. They're more like a dividend kind of thing, I guess. They definitely are. Yeah, they definitely are. So they're basically just returning in interest and principal over time. So they're, they're yeah, a whole different, I, and they're they're not something that's going to go up tenfold in value, generally speaking, anyway. But there are. Remember, we're looking for alternatives to bonds. Right, and so that's an example of something is not it, it is in the stock market, but it's not necessarily going to move in the same direction as stocks. So it could be a good uh, hedge against inflation of farmland, but you know that that's again. Oh, there. Oh, you mentioned art, didn't you, Miranda? So there, there's stuff that yeah. you can do now that you didn't used to be able to do. I saw it just seems like it just seems like those things are a lot harder because I mean, if you're uh, you know 65, 72 years old and um, you're, what you're looking to do is just put your money someplace easily that pays you back. And a lot of these other things seem to, well, REITs are kind of easy, but buying like real estate is kind of complicated at 72 unless unless you've got all your faculties with you. Well, I'm 66 and I don't want to buy anymore. Exactly. You know, I mean, I'm it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at wine right now. Like there's a place called VinoVest where you can like, they'll, uh, store the wine for you and you can invest in investment grade bottles of wine and then if if you decide that you you know if you decide you want to they'll ship it to you and then you can drink it <laughs> why does every conversation i have with you end up with wine because i like wine <laughs> <laughs> you definitely do like wine i like beer but i'll talk about it on every podcast <laughs> well you can't invest in beer yet. well you could you could invest in a brewery you could invest didn't you in, make a ton of money invest, on beer i did i made a ton of well yes i did i made some good money investing seltzer, in sam, was... sam well sam adams i mean they make beer yeah. too but also seltzer right. yes <laughs> yeah i've been drinking seltzer by the way recently it's pretty good. It gives me a headache, though. I usually drink at least ten. Maybe that's why. I can't. Yeah, I can't get there with the <laughs> seltzer. I just the hard seltzer is just like not, not my thing. It just tastes like soda. But anyway, this is not that type of podcast. <laughs> so if, if you're, if <laughs> let's you're talk about real old, investments now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about actual money. Um, 
if you are somebody in that position where you need income, obviously some there there are problems with almost everything we just suggested. Uh, you don't want to put forty percent of your money in crypto, obviously, or in any of these things, really peer to peer lending, even. You know, but the bottom line is this: you may just have to be patient. You know, solutions. I, I listed three solutions for this podcast: one, shorten your maturities; two, use alternatives; and three. Take a chill pill, man. That's all you can do. I've got a ton of money just sitting there earning zero. Uh, but you know what? It is what it is. I ain't putting more money in the stock market. And and sooner or later, when interest rates go up, that's a great way. That, that'll be great, you know, because every day that interest rates go up, my money market will pay more. Oh, you know, by the way, there's one more solution, too, you can use if you're a bond investor. You can, you can use um, ladders. In other words, you have something coming due next month, something next year, something two years from now, something five years from now, like that. So no matter what happens, if interest rates go up, your short-term stuff is going to be getting more interest. You're going to be able to roll it over into something with more interest. And then as you, you know, with your five-year thing comes due, you'll be able to roll that over. So having a little bit coming due a lot of, a lot of the time. You know, another thing too, Miranda, which you've suggested many times on this podcast, is buckets. So, you know, you could put Five thousand dollars, you know, fifty thousand dollars in cash, put in a money market fund, and then you can take the other fifty thousand and put it into an intermediate term bond fund. Even if it goes down, you don't have to sell it because you got fifty thousand in cash. So that way, you're not at risk with the stuff if you do have to sell it early. Makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you're getting to that peer-to-peer -peer lending and interest rates go up, um, does would that affect the peer-to-peer -peer lending interest? Like, so if you put your money in, would you be getting more interest? I, the, I don't, the think, the, I don't think the interest rates vary uh, once you've loaned the money, but you've done it. I haven't, Miranda. What, what's the answer? Yeah. So yeah. So basically, once you loan the money, the interest rate basically stays the same, um, and then you just well, that's get locked payments. in. But yeah. I'm saying over time, let's say if if, oh, sure. if if interest rates are going up, you could safely say like, hey, mm -hmm. maybe uh, three year, three years from now, the interest rates are going to go up on these peer to peer lending. So that'd be something to get into because you're going to make more money lending oh, money. Oh yeah, out. for sure. Yeah. People, well, are, yeah. people are always going to. They're going to yeah. track rates. Yeah, kind of like okay. remember what what a lot of people are doing are peer to peer lending is not having to pay twenty percent interest on a credit card. Uh, so if if interest rates on credit cards are twenty percent and peer to peer lending for quality lenders or borrowers rather is ten percent, well if, if credit card rates go to twenty five percent, then maybe peer to peer would go to fifteen percent. These are just numbers I'm throwing out. I have no idea right, what right. the actual numbers right. are. Right. We do have we do have a question today. I'm not sure which one of us it's for. It's for you, Stacy. I've got a question for you. Yes. Read it, read it to me. Uh, this is from John. He says, I have a question about IRAs. I am 72 years old, retired, and hold both an IRA and a Roth IRA. Even though I don't work anymore, can I continue to add money to either one of these? Or do I need to open a separate investment account and invest there? I would also like to know if my wife can claim spousal benefits while I'm still alive. She currently receives around thirteen fifty a month in Social Security benefits, while I receive nearly eighteen hundred a month. Okay, first, so that's these a two, are two completely different questions. Okay, so the answer to the first question is: you cannot contribute to a retirement account unless you have earned income. So even though John is seventy-two years old and he's retired, uh, if he doesn't have income to contribute. He may have Social Security income or retirement income, but if he doesn't have earned income, uh, says he doesn't work anymore, he can't contribute to either Roth or regular IRA. Okay, now question two: uh, His wife. Uh, what would you say his wife is getting in Social Security a month? Uh, thirteen fifty. And he's getting. He is getting eighteen hundred. Okay, so your wife is eligible for spousal uh, Social Security. However, 
her spousal Social Security is limited to half of yours. So half of yours would be 900. She's already getting 1350. Therefore, she's better off staying where she is with her own. And, and actually, this isn't even something you have to worry about. Theoretically, the Social Security Administration looks at this and they go, well, John's wife is getting 1350. Uh, he's getting 1800. Therefore, she's better off keeping her own. If she wasn't, they should let her know. In other words, let's say she was getting $500 a month. And half of John's would be eight, would be nine hundred. Well, they should automatically give her the nine hundred. But in this case, she's doing as best as she can, and John doesn't have to do anything except go pitch horseshoes or whatever he wants to do because he can't really contribute to his IRA, and his wife's fine with her Social Security. So I hope that helps you, John. That's it. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right, it. Then. Yeah. In that there case, we are. We are we're getting out of time. Not too bad. We were a little over today. Not too bad, though. Uh, we are out of time, though, folks. But we're never out of any topic. Dig deeper. You're going to find links to a ton more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. Hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends too. It only takes you a couple seconds, really helps us though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us guys. We're gonna see you right here next time. <laughs>